0: Right, welcome to the Laravel podcast. Um, it's June 8th, which is uh, the WWDC day. It's also a day before the five point one Laravel 5.1 release. Uh, my name is Matt Stouffer, and I got two guys with me. Guys, can you introduce yourselves? My name is Jeffrey Way.
1: And I'm Taylor Otwell. So
0: we've got the 5.1 release coming, and we've been covering it over the last couple podcasts. So you guys have all kind of listened through as we've talked about some of the major features that are upcoming in 5.1. So before we move into talking about anything else, uh, has anything new made it into 5.1 that's worth talking about? Um, and then are there any pieces of the release schedule or the release day or anything special we should
1: be aware of or talking about or what's going on? I really don't think anything new has gone in since last time we talked about it. Um, but I did. I have continued to work on the documentation and even documented stuff, um, you know, like how to set up supervisor to monitor your queues and stuff like that, you know, related stuff. Oh, cool. Aravel. Um, So there's lots of info in there. Um, I'm also working on, I kind of want to work on a Laravel kind of demo project, which I've mentioned on Twitter before to kind of show people, you know, just sort of a standard project to get started with Laravel 5.1, but I don't think that will quite be ready for release day. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be an awesome release. Um, You know, it's just very streamlined documentation. It's awesome. LTS support. It's going to be really good, I think. That's cool. I was I remember some I was it Bo
0: that put on Twitter that was his first ever uh Bo Simonson it was his first ever merged. It was uh namespacing gosh, what
1: was it? Yeah, route groups.
0: Oh yeah. So that was cool because often you got like a group of things that are like all the all the routes that are related to like conferences. So conferences dot show, conferences dot whatever. And so you can like namespace a whole route group with a string. So conferences dot and then it would be prefixed to the namespace or or the is that is that how it's working sorry i'm not speaking it will be
1: the you can define a names or a route name prefix on a route group so that like if you have a group of kind of like admin related routes you could say route group as admin dot and then within your group it will prefix that admin name to all of your other route names so it's just sort of a way to add the same prefix onto a group of route names
2: Cool. So it's the exact same key, like as you add that to route group, and then that will just be, uh, that will precede any named route that you have within that group. Is that right? Exactly.
0: Yeah. And I like that you guys didn't auto uh, choose dot to be the separator. Like you actually have to do admin dot if you want it to be admin dot because that opens up more opportunities for different naming schemes and stuff. So uh so the 5.1 so what's going to happen on uh, tomorrow is the well everything that's master on the docs is going to change to be you know 5.1 and everything that's master in the code is going to change to be um 5.1 um so and people will just be able to basically use the installer without any of this special you know you know give me the dev version kind of stuff and it'll just be there is there anything else kind of other than just, hey, it's there and now use it and it's no longer in, you know, kind of beta? It's Is there anything else going on or is it just kind of like, hey, it's here, you can use it and we're now calling it. And I mean, I guess that's LTS day, right? Like this is the first day of committing to this being LTS. Yeah,
1: Yeah, that's pretty much how it will work. Um, you know, the docs will be transitioned to 5.1, will kind of be the default version on the website and then uh, master branch of Laravel, Laravel will be 5.1 on GitHub and uh, everything will be pushed up tomorrow morning. Uh, But yeah, that's pretty much, we've kind of got the release process pretty streamlined now after we've done it three or four times. So um, everything should go pretty smooth. And then you can just update your composer file to 5.1 and go through the upgrade guide, which I have, I think I actually put an estimated upgrade time right in the docs as less than one hour. So it shouldn't take you very long to upgrade. I upgraded Envoyer in about, I would say it took me about 10 minutes to upgrade Envoyer to 5.1.
2: Which is pretty painless. So that means if I wanted to, I could update Laracast to 5.1 tomorrow in, let's say, 20 minutes. That's great.
0: And it's especially especially great because of the LTS. I mean, I I feel like people aren't talking about this enough. Like, you upgrade, you take 10 minutes and upgrade your app to 5.1, and now you have LTS support.
1: Like, that's yeah,
0: I, I don't know. Like, maybe other people aren't working in the same spaces that I am, but for our clients, that's a really big deal. Although, I noticed there was one thing because didn't 5.1.1 bump up to PHP 5.5?
1: Yes, it does require PHP 5.5, um, which has been out for a couple of years. Actually, it sounds pretty new, but it's actually been out for a while. Um, that let, lets us be compatible because newer versions of libraries are are actually starting to require that, so like Guzzle 6. Um, The newest version of the AWS SDK, both of those are PHP 5.5 and up. And then, of course, Symfony itself in November will be um, PHP 5.5 and up. So things are heading that direction. I actually saw that PHP unit, I think it's 5, is going to be PHP 5.6
2: and up. Yeah, I was just about to say that. So it's going pretty fast.
1: Yeah, and I
0: think I read somewhere that uh, 5.4 is, it's not end of life, it's end of active development coming in the next month or two which means it's now in kind of like just security fix mode so
1: it's already kind of on its way out yeah 5.4 actually in september will even stop receiving security fixes so it's going to be totally put out to pasture
0: so especially if you're in any kind of enterprise space and it takes a while to kind of do those upgrades you're going to want to note that you should not have any apps on 5.4 as of september that's a you know you might want to start planning for that now all right. So um, that's a big thing that's going on. I don't think we have time to talk about all the uh, WWDC stuff for today. So let's move on to another big thing that's going on today. Today is the uh, the 20th birthday of PHP is what everyone's saying online. So I Woo-hoo. thought it'd be cool for us to talk. I know. Talk a little bit about, first of all, how did you get into PHP? What was your first project that you ever did? And what was your intro? And what kind of code you're writing back then?
1: I'll let Jeffrey go first.
2: What was my first project? Um... Well, that's a hard The first one that we got paid for, the first one I got paid for, um, I think I told you guys about this. The first project I ever did was like the most depressing thing ever. It was um, some lady who needed me to make a site for her to sell decorative urns, you know, like when you die, <laughs> these these urns you can buy. Oh, God, it was so bad, that's and she so, had like 200 so different ones. I had no clue what I was doing, so there was no like pagination or there was no database. She basically sent me images and then I just hard coded them onto the page. And to simulate pagination, because I didn't know how to do that, I just split it into like page one, page two, page three, and then I would just manually copy and paste, you know, thirty images at a time. It's probably the most embarrassing thing I've ever done. And it was just kind of a depressing way to start my career building an urn site.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. What about you guys? The first time I got into PHP would be in 2010, and I was actually working uh, my day job doing .NET and Cobol. But PHP, I knew from college that some friends had used it, and that it was supposed to be like really easy to throw up on a host and stuff. And so I got into PHP because I wanted to work on some side projects, um, you know, to try to make a little extra money, start a business, blah blah blah. Um, So that was PHP 5.3. So I actually came into a fairly modern version of PHP from the start. So I pretty much, I never used a PHP before it had closures or namespaces or anything like that, um, or auto loading. So my experience with PHP has been limited to actually kind of the cooler versions of PHP. I never really went through the dark ages, Um, but I I got started with CodeIgniter at first and then. I started hacking the core of Code Igniter so much because I wanted to have like um, an IOC container and better templating and stuff that I just wrote Laravel eventually. Um, but yeah, I, I, I never suffered through the really dark times of PHP that the veterans tell me about.
2: Yeah, because when I think about it, Laravel 3 was maybe the first PHP framework I used that really embraced the idea of using closures and stuff like that. Like, I don't think it was in Code Igniter, really.
1: No, um, I never saw a closure no. in Code Igniter.
2: Yeah, so that was nice. It, it made it feel actually very JavaScript-like to me because it's obviously very prevalent in the in the JavaScript world. But Laravel, yeah, was kind of the first PHP framework where I really started doing that, which is great.
0: It's funny you mentioned that because the first time Taylor and I ever interacted on the internet was well, which is ever was when I reached out and I was dealing. I was learning all this new stuff, and I wanted to. i had seen there was this CodeIgniter um, IOC library that was out there. And I was like, hey, you maintain this CodeIgniter IOC library, you know, I'm t- trying to find the code, you still keep it. And he's like, no, just come use Laravel. And that was kind of like, I think that was my introduction to Laravel. <laughs> yeah, well, I, yeah, it took me a little while to actually get into Laravel, because uh, I'd been following uh, Jeffrey's stuff at NetTuts for a while. And so he had been kind of really pushing on Laravel for a long time. And I think the combination of the two of you, I was like, okay, fine, I'll, I'll do it. So when I got into PHP, I think it was the late 90s, and I had been like a front-end, front end, front quote unquote front end web developer using like tables and CSS optimization or pre CSS days, and then I got into CSS. And I always wanted to give a little like oomph behind what I was doing, a little dynamic nature to it. And my brother, is a comp- you know electrical engineering computer sciences guy who knew like Python and PHP and all kind of stuff, so he. He basically set me up a little website on his Linux server that was running, you know in our basement or his bedroom or whatever. and he forced me to basically SSH in, learn Vim, learn Linux, and learn enough PHP to basically like hook up. And so he had this like, hand rolled set of like MySQL scripts that we were using and like common.inc that we copied from page to page and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> so that's that's how I got started. And then I, um, I went to college and joined some campus clubs that needed like the CMS. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll write one, you know, Campus Press. And I started writing this whole thing. And then someone introduced me to WordPress one day. And I was like, dang it <laughs> i just threw the whole thing away and did some wordpress development for a while and then you know uh, the the dark years of code igniter and eventually here we are so so it's interesting that you started at 5.3 because I feel like 5.3 is often what people point to when they say like man this is when it actually became like a real object oriented language. Yeah. So for both of you guys what was like a what's what's the one feature that you remember the most or either feature or release I guess that was just like man this this
2: changed everything. I don't know if Taylor if there is one for you but uh for either of you guys. Um I'll go first. Like it usually is, it was a lot of little things for me. So obviously PHP 5 got way better OOP support. But even other than that, just, just um, you know, throughout 5, 2, 3, 4, and 5, little things like um, traits. I think I think traits are great. Or, or even simple stuff like the short array syntax. I feel like many times those are more important than some of the other cooler things because you use it like 500 times a day. Or um, I'm trying to think some of the, some of the fun stuff. Even um, I, I like variadic functions. I think that's really cool. What was the one thing that, yeah, I don't think for me there was one turning point. It it was just, I don't know what happened to PHP, but at just some point, everything started getting way better. And then once you (laughs) add all of these little things up, suddenly, like today in 2015, it's like PHP, I think, is pretty awesome at this point. It's nothing like it was even seven years ago when I was first getting started in this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. For
1: me, there's there's two features that sort of made something like laravel possible the first one was closures which were introduced in 5.3 where that's where you know everyone's probably used them in laravel where if you define a route you give it the uri and then you pass that inline function thing which is called a closure um, or an, an anonymous function and laravel uses those so heavily and i use them so heavily personally just in my own coding style that if you read through the source it's not going to be very long before you come across a closure in Laravel. And then the other thing that made um, Eloquent possible is this feature that people don't talk about a lot called late static binding, which is sort yep. of a technical thing, but it lets you know the um, basically which class your models inherit from. So when you use Eloquent, you have class user extends you know your Eloquent model. Within that Eloquent model, we need to know which class are we using? Are we using the user class or the post class or whatever? And that sounds kind of simple, but that wasn't possible actually before Laravel 5.3 to know that. But in Laravel 5.3 or PHP 5.3, excuse me, they added a function called get called class. And if you look that up in the PHP documentation, that's how we can know within our eloquent model, which class we're actually using at the time. So those two things made, you know, some of the core features of Laravel possible, the routing which was which was fun and distinctive with the closures and then eloquent which was sort of this uh cool new hip ORM. So and still is such an awesome ORM. I love active record. <laughs> active record. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um yeah, I I think uh, it's interesting because the things that have most impacted me, like the biggest thing, it was a release for me. And it was definitely five dot three, and it was you know it was late static binding, and it was also um, I'm trying to remember what else. There was like th- I think three things that came out in five dot three. Namespaces. And it was namespaces. Oh namespaces, yeah, la- namespaces. Late static binding and closures. So it's kind of like... That was like a huge one. But the thing is, when that came out, I wasn't working as a developer. I had taken a little bit of time. Be- this is kind of why I took a little while to catch up is because I took a lot of to- a little bit of time between college and uh, coming back to doing development again because I developed all through college and all through high school. And I worked for a non-profit for five years. And I did a little bit of development. And I kept up on things. But that was when like PHP went from being like PHP 4 in the olden days because like PHP 5.3 came out in 2009. So like, you know... P- it went from that to actually being what it is today. So I kind of came back, you know, a couple of years after 5.3 and was like, this is a completely different language. And I was able to look at 5.3 being like, That's, that was the really big kind of moment. Of course, 5.0 in general was significant, but I think 5.3 was the, the biggest inflection point there.
2: Also, a huge thing for me, this isn't like PHP specific, but a huge turning point for me was when an autoloader was included with Composer. Because until then, everyone was sort of wiring up their own, and it was always kind of confusing, yeah. and, you know, everyone had different conventions. So once Composer was released, it was almost like everybody in masses in mass just switched over to um, to their implementation, and that just made everything so much easier than it was before. So that was not PHP-related, but a big turning point for me as a developer.
1: I think Composer Composer has to be considered, you know, as one of the most important PHP advancements, yeah. right up there with any language feature for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's probably bigger than any single language feature, right? Yeah. Because Composer and Packages is such a big piece that no other single piece... As interesting, I remember being at um, LesConf, which is primarily visited by Ruby developers and Rails developers talking about the PHP world and they were just talking about, you know, like gems and a lot of the conveniences they had. And, it you know, at that point I was like, yeah, we don't really have anything. And they just looked at me like I was crazy. And I'm like, I know, it really is terrible. And that was like right when we were starting to be like, maybe we're going to switch to Rails, but there's this whole, you know, revitalization. So
1: that was a big topic back then is a lot of people were talking about, should we switch to Rails or should we switch to Ruby? or python but you don't i don't see that discussion as often as i used to when i first started laravel where people were sort of constantly torn between feeling guilty as a php developer and not feeling like a real developer and wanting to move just a language that real developers use something like ruby but that people don't really talk like that anymore as much at least
0: yeah and it wasn't just the guilt factor although that's clearly there and I, i'm really glad that that guilt factor is around less like i'm not a real developer although of course it still exists especially in other communities thinking of us that way but I think that one of the pieces, like, the reason we would have switched, like, as a company, like, we don't care about if you think we're a real developer, we care if we can produce, you know, good code, good functionality for our clients, and our, our developers can actually enjoy it as they're going, right? And the, the issue was, it's difficult to do all of those when you've got a severely under-resourced ecosystem. So, you know, if you don't have Ruby gems, you don't have all the convenience and wisdom of the way Rails does things, I mean, like... All the modern frameworks that are in PHP that are good competitors have at least some influence from Rails. And I'm not saying like Rails is the way, but but it, that didn't exist prior, right? Like there wasn't, you know, CodeIgniter was the best you had if you want to think that way. And so, yeah, I mean, it was just, and CodeIgniter
1: clearly wasn't cutting it. So, yeah. Nice. Well, i look forward to a PHP 7. That's coming this fall. So that'll be another big, you know, two times speed improvement is a big, a big jump. Yeah, that's huge. Um, so let's,
0: let's talk IDEs for a minute. So I know that we've, we've chatted about it a little bit in the podcast before. And I know that, especially kind of in the Laravel community, there's been a little bit of a shift from a lot of folks using, you know, sublime text. And there there was like a, I don't know if I would say resurgence, but there's a pretty, pretty big boost in folks trying out PHP storm and, and some people have switched back. I know both of you guys have, you know, tried out PHP storm, Jeffrey, you more than, and then Taylor. And, uh, I, I'm actually Doing a, a month back in Sublime Text, uh, just because I've kind of been forcing the folks at our company to all use PHP Storm because some of the code I- code intelligence benefits it provides. But then I saw like what you could do with PHP Companion Sublime Text, and I said, look, if I'm going to force everybody to use it. I should know for sure that I can't be as productive in Sublime Text plus PHP Companions. So I switched over. So I just want to see kind of where are you guys? And there's, you know, I'm listening to a lot of Ruby developers and they all use Vim and then there's Atom and then there's this new one coming up from Microsoft. So what are your, what is your kind of current ID of choice and what are your kind of like either desires for it or like what, what, what do you have your eye on elsewhere outside of it?
2: I tried really hard to get Taylor to switch to PHP Storm, and it would seem like I would I would get there, and then he would just switch back the next day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't think I've ever used it for a full day.
2: Oh, oh, thanks. Because you you <laughs> would message me like, "Hey, can you send over these settings?" So I would figure out how to export my settings, send them over. I'm like, okay, Taylor's switching over. It's going to be good. And then the next day, he's back on Sublime. Sublime is just so – I'm still
1: on Sublime, and it's – I don't know. I'm just so used to it, and it's just so kind of fast and snappy. But I also have – you know, with Sublime, I have a build system set up to where it converts all my code to PSR2, and it runs some other fixers too with the uh, PHP CS fixer. Um, so that's and then I have, of course, it alerts me to any kind of syntax errors in PHP. So those are really the two main plugins I use. But I just, I'm just so love it. It's just like my warm blanket of comfort.
2: <laughs> yeah, it, that's exactly why I switch back. PHP Storm is the problem is PHP Storm is actually pretty fast for like a full IDE, but it doesn't even begin to compare to how fast Sublime is. Just to be Not in the remotely. terminal and to type sublime period you know to open up a folder and it's it's done in like half a second that is so huge so like there are some legitimate uh advantages to using php storm but i feel like there are more advantages to using sublime really you can't go wrong using either of them but sublime like man once i i switched back to sublime a few months ago just being able to be that fast switching or or just some of the you know the stuff when you hit like command p and you type a file name and you don't even have to type the file and hit enter. It's just already showing up as you typed. Yep. It'll just match the, the closest file that matches what you're typing. And that stuff is huge. And then you can, like, from there, switch to a symbol in the same. This is hard to say online. But you can, like, go to a file and go to a symbol, like a method yeah. in the class, all in one go. It's really hard to do in PHP Storm. So that stuff, like, really adds up over time. The big one for me like Taylor said, was um, adding PSR to formatting as a build process. So whenever I want, I hit Command-B within a class, and it'll automatically format that as PSR2. I didn't know how to do that before, and now I can. So like that was a huge one, the auto-format. Is there
0: a good blog post for that one, uh, for how to do that?
2: Uh, There's not. No, it's really easy. showed me. It's pretty simple. Yeah, Yeah, you should blog it after this podcast. (laughs) I'll blog it. I'll do it. (laughs) that's why i asked and then the other one for me which was a big one was just auto importing classes you know like when you um we've talked about this many times where you need to use some kind of symphony class and you can't remember what the full namespaced path is so it's like you have to switch over to the class you're trying to import if you're not familiar with it and then you like look at the namespace or you copy it then you go back then you paste that in and then you're done well i hated that because you really you just know the the class name so now there's a um there's a plugin called PHP Companion or Sublime Companion, something like that. You type the class name, you hit a keystroke, and it'll automatically just fill in the rest of the namespace path. So that was huge for me. Or you can even do that, you know, like with when you're in a controller method in Laravel and you you need to import some kind of class. I don't know. You need to import the request object or something. You can just type request hit a keystroke and it'll automatically use illuminate http request Mm -hmm. at the top so you don't have to manually do that which saves a huge amount of time those were the two big reasons why i switched back
0: yeah, it was those little conveniences that was the number one thing to make me kind of force everybody to switch over to PHP Storm because the level of knowledge your ID has of the code structure is really, really valuable. Yeah. But PHP Companion brings a lot of it back, but not all. And so what I've been trying to do is just do my day-to-day programming and in, in Sublime Text with the PHP Companion and see what I'm missing. And so far, I think there's three main things. One of them is a little irritation, which is when you do that use statement, um, on a, um, on a class that's at the top level, it doesn't do it. So if you're in a if you're in a namespace, if you're three levels deep into a namespace, and then you hit the keystroke to use something that's at like you know slash model or whatever, it won't pull it up. But I think that's something where we could like put that as like an issue on the thing. Um, and then the other one is uh, injector or whatever. Basically, you like type the so if you're gonna a constructor inject something and you say like you know service and in PHP Storm, it's super easy to just have it like do the setter in the constructor and like set the cl- the object property or class property, and that's that. I there probably need to just build build a macro for that. Um, I don't. Do you guys have
2: macros to do that, or you still just do all that by hand? I have a macro for it, and it just doesn't work well <laughs> because I agree with you. That's a huge one in PHP Storm is just. Typing a property and immediately building up the constructor. That's awesome. And in Sublime, the only way I know how to do it is to record a macro where you basically you hit record and then you go through the process of how you how you initialize and all that stuff. And then you save the macro and then you can just repeat that for every other variable. I can get that to work. In some situations, um, as soon as you have like doc blocks and stuff, I, it it gets kind of kind of rough. And then some, like I think macros are a little broken in Sublime because sometimes it works. You'll do it perfectly. You'll replay the macro, and it'll do something completely different. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. That is one missing area, and I feel like that's solvable. Yeah, that's my hope. Is like, it's as we, uh,
0: what I do is I tell my employees look php Storm's is going to do the, all, all the stuff out of the box if you miss either the fuzzy text matching or the speed of sublime text or whatever use sublime text but use these things because this is what i'm commanding you to do as my developer who works for me i really want you to have these kind of things like and what is it and it's basically like code knowledge and the ability to navigate through the code or whatever in a certain way i think and i think the last one that was missing for me is the command click on a function definition or function or whatever and it takes you to its definition or class its definition And sublime really
2: yeah are you uh-huh. using Sublime 2 or 3? Three? 3. Yeah, you can do that in Sublime. Ah. If it's not, you you absolutely can do it whether you can do it with command click. I'll have to see if I added a um I might have added a key binding for that.
0: Well, you know what? I'm just going to do a I'm going to do a you can do it with command click easily, but con, or you can do it with the right click easily, but it's the command click. You know what? I'm going to do I'm, I'm gonna write a blog post and I'm going to say getting Sublime Text to function as much like PHP Storm as possible and I'm just going to write all these things down. So, And I'll bug you guys to get the details on those. So, okay. So both of you are using uh, Sublime Text. Taylor, you tried to switch. You never did. Jeffrey, you switched pretty strongly, but you're kind of just missing the speed. And honestly, as I'm switching back, I'm feeling kind of the same way. I'm like, man, this speed really does have a pretty big impact. So if I can get the speed of Sublime Text with at least the reasonable amount of code intelligence of PHPStorm, that's kind of the perfect marriage. Are there any other IDEs that are even
2: kind of on your... On your horizon? Mm. I think it depends on what you build. You know, if you're doing front end work, I think um, brackets is is pretty impressive, especially if you're doing like CSS, HTML type stuff, or you're really design heavy. uh, I, I think people should very much take a look at brackets. They have some pretty innovative stuff going on there. For people who do what we do, I don't know. You know, between PHP Storm and Sublime, I don't know if there's really any competitors worth taking a look at. Obviously, Atom is kind of comparable to to Sublime. I still don't think it's it's nearly as good, but definitely take a look at Atom. Adam. Atom's free, right? That's still all open source, I think. So that's yeah. obviously a huge advantage to that versus paying for Sublime. But but right now, uh, I wouldn't choose that over Sublime by a mile. And also, like if you're if you're really into debugging. You know how Ruby developers—we talked about this. Ruby developers would make PHP developers feel like they're not real developers. I think PHP developers do that to PHP developers too when it comes to debugging. Like, I am totally okay with die and dump, but there's there's a big group that'll say if, if you do that, you know, you're, you're not really a programmer. You really need to be doing traditional debugging. And um, I just—I've tried it so many times. I've, I've set up everything. I've gotten it all working, and I always end up just going back to good old DD. So like if you don't need that debugging stuff, you're loading that up every time you, you run PHP Storm. I don't know. There's a standalone XDebug
0: client. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Uh, CodeBug or CodeDebug? Code debug. Yeah, I think it's I've
2: called CodeBug. I've been code thinking bug. about
0: trying that for a while. I don't know if either of you guys have ever used it before.
1: I have used it, and it's actually really nice. I, I tried to get it working with Homestead the other day and couldn't quite get it going, but I, I kind of gave up and moved on. But I did. I have used it before and actually had it working, and it's it's really cool. Okay. Well, that might be worth uh somebody trying out and seeing if we can figure out, hey, homestead plus
0: code bug. Yeah, someone blogged that. Yeah, please. I'll 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 promote that. All right. Um so before we go on, oh yeah, one last thing. Vim, I like like I said, my brother forced me to learn Vim fifteen years ago or whatever, and I honestly love it. I've actually been going to shortcutfoo.com um and uh, practicing my Vim kind of speed because when you're really good at Vim, like you can blow anybody out of the water. But the problem is it takes
1: quite a while to get to that point. Yeah, I still use Vim. I still use Vim anytime I'm like on a server, even locally for editing quick stuff. I think Vim is incredible.
2: Uh, Like even in Sublime, I use, it's called vintage mode, but it's basically Vim mode. So all of those key bindings, I use in Sublime every day. I couldn't possibly imagine going back. But I would be the first to admit with Vim, the learning curve is basically ridiculous. Like I spent months and months learning, and it, it has to be like if you want to do this stuff, you have to just commit. Okay, this is what I'm doing. I'm only going to use Vim. I'm not going to chicken out and go back to Sublime. I have to use this. And the problem is, it's going to slow you down big time for the first week or so. Um, and then it's just the 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 process of configuring them to do what you want. Man, it takes so much research, hours and hours and hours and hours. So the ultimate payoff, I think, is huge. I I can be so incredibly fast in my editor, but I'm not sure if I'd be willing to go through that whole process again.
0: All right, so before we move on, or before we're done for the day, we got one last thing to talk about, which is, what is the best handhold gaming
2: console of all time? Obviously, the answer is the 3DS, right? (laughs) Yeah, I've never played one before. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, I, I have fond feelings for my black-and-white Game Boy and Tetris, but I think the 3DS is, like, pretty damn good. I mean, when you think about like, Nintendo's having a hard time right now just because the world is kind of switched over to, to mobile. But really, like, the, the catalog that they have, man, I don't think anyone can compete with it. I, I have uh, my brother... He has two young children, and he just has iPads for them, which I think is pretty common these days. But then at the same time, I think, like, okay, you, you can buy your children these games for 99 cents, but you sort of get what you pay for, I think. I don't mm-hmm. think they even begin to compare with, with, like, one of Nintendo's offerings. Not even close. You know, even, yeah. like, the, the, the Super Mario 3D World or Zelda. It's like, those are so infinitely better than a 99-cent game you can get on the iPhone. Yeah, I got to give it to the 3DS. I'm with you.
0: Uh, I, well, I'm with you on, on them being so much better. I, I can't believe that I've never actually played a 3DS before.
2: Yeah, I'm surprised. Do you play video games much, Matt? I don't. Um, back when I was in college, so
0: in high school, I played it a ton. Me and my brothers would always play a ton of video games. And then in college, uh, my brother had a, a DS, and I thought it was a really fantastic thing. And I was just like, that's, that's the future, but it's so clunky and ugly. And I told him, I'm like, the moment Nintendo learns from Apple how to do industrial design, I'm yes. going to buy one. And I, so the DS Lite got announced and I'm like, a it's literally the first time I'd ever pre-ordered anything. Like my girlfriend, who's now my wife, was just like, you're absolutely insane. And I'm like at the mall, like showing up to game stuff on the day it came out. And and so the, and the reason I even thought of this is because I just, I was just telling my wife, I was just like, I really want to play Super Mario Brothers. Last night, I just, I really want to do it. And I tried to get it. I was looking online to figure out like uh, SNES controllers for the Wii and I found some and they had really terrible reviews. And then I tried to get, like, we had a um, we have a classic controller for our Wii, and we had downloaded a couple games. And it just wasn't working. I was so frustrated. And I saw my DS Lite sitting in the back of our uh, entertainment console. I was like, oh, my gosh. And I picked it up, and I got playing Super Mario Brothers. And first of all, the games are amazing. But second of all, it still feels like the best gaming experience I've ever had, bar none. Nothing, you know, amazing immersive 3D graphics, nothing. It just feels good good like i just love that
2: console man i don't think people realize how ugly that first ds was when they announced was it so it bad. was the most clunky ugly thing you could possibly imagine and then they i think they replaced it like a year later with a with a much better model I, maybe that was the ds lite i wonder if the they, ds lite was the first one post ds yeah. yeah but i think that was maybe only a year later or something they iterate pretty quickly oh i'm looking yeah. at it right now that is so <laughs> ugly so ugly gosh
0: but but the functionality when I watched him using it, I was like, "That's amazing!" And and I was kind of a new new to Apple kind of guy at that point. I was like, "They just need to learn from Apple." I just imagined it being this like beautiful, sleek, square thing. And the DS Lite announced, and I like messaged him. I was like, "That's it! I'm buying that." All right, 3ds. I'll check it out. I, what I'm excited about is all those games that I was super interested in, you know, when this thing came out, who knows when that was, they're probably, I can buy them for a couple bucks on eBay. So I'm planning on stocking up on a whole bunch of games and becoming a DS Lite
2: addict. So. It's funny because as ugly as that thing is, like, Nintendo is incredibly innovative. When you think about, or even the fact that it's a touch screen, people forget it. that was before the iPhone. That was before you had all of these touch devices. Nintendo was kind of the first with that, or things like... Um, controllers that rumble that was nintendo's first with that um i think even some of the 3d stuff nintendo was first with Or, or the analog controller that's all nintendo and then sony and xbox would kind of steal it and make it their own but they were sort of the innovators of that stuff i'm sort of excited their um their mario game coming out later this year i guess it's around the holiday is called mario maker where you can basically build your own mario games and you can switch between the design that you want so if you want If you want it to look like the original Mario Brothers, you can, or you can switch to Mario 3, or you can switch to Super Mario World, and you can actually construct your own levels and then put them online, and then other people can download them and play your levels. So it's sort of like Nintendo's version of Minecraft or something, which is pretty cool, I think.
0: My brothers and I played um, Duke Nukem 3D and a lot of those games growing up, and there was a level editor, and I spent hundreds of hours of my life building custom levels for Duke Nukem 3D and stuff. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm that's amazing
1: yeah Taylor what about you game game, are you a game gear man the last gaming handheld console I owned was a Game Boy Color and I had um several Pokemon games because I was a huge Pokemon fan as a kid so that's the last I'm still I would still play a Pokemon game if I had one but um that's the last handheld console I owned uh, when I when I
0: posted this this image about the DS Lite, somebody asked, wait, why aren't you playing the Pokemon game? And I was like, I've never actually played those. I've got Princess Peach, which, by the way, is absolutely incredible. You'd think it's like, oh, it's like Mario for girls, you know, because they made it all like pink and everything like that. And I was like, oh, you know, gender norm, whatever. But it's actually just a really fantastic game. So I'm, uh, I am got those and I got, what's it, the Mario, Mario Kart and... What's what's the fox that flies Star fox.
1: around? Yeah, Star Fox. Man, this is going to be my childhood all over again.
2: There's a new Star Fox coming out this year.
1: I saw that Nintendo is bringing you know their first party IPs to to iOS.
2: Yeah, I'm curious how that's going to work out. I, I assume it's going to be something where it's still like um, side games that are meant to draw you back to the 3DS or the Wii U. That's what I'd
0: read. This people are getting frustrated because they weren't moving the whole thing over or whatever. Yeah.
2: All right, guys. Well, it was
0: a total pleasure. I know that uh the both of you are probably going to be catching up on WWDC today. I don't know about you. I'm like the one person in my company who doesn't. So I'm like sitting here working and everyone else is like, are you watching this? I'm like, are you guys doing anything today? <laughs> yeah, they set up a Slack channel just to talk about it because they know I don't care. And so I don't want them clogging the general channel. So, all right. Well, um it's been really a pleasure talking to you guys as always um thanks for chatting everyone look out for the 5.1 release on tuesday i don't know what day this will come out but on tuesday check out the 5.1 release and uh, we'll talk to you next time